Amen. We come to the word of the Lord again this morning. And how wonderful it is. What a privilege. What a privilege to hear the Lord speak to us. The most powerful book in the world is the book we will hold in your hand, which is the Word of God. To think that He authored this book to speak to you personally. I honestly want to tell you this morning that God speaks still today. Not through funny ways. Not through things that you have to effortly try to push into, you know, strange stuff. But he speaks through his word. And I can tell you that's true in my life. Last week I asked the Lord a, a question. I actually wrote it down in my journal. And uh, I went along the morning as I just, you know, continue reading and having my time with the Lord and praying for the church and praying for my family. But I wrote down this question. I said, Lord, I honestly, I honestly want to hear from you. I didn't sit there and say, you know, strange voices or voices coming over. And, and I was just reading my daily reading. And, I, and I, there was just one. In, you know, I've got a reference Bible. And on the inside of the Bible, there's a reference to another verse. And I went to the other verse. And uh, I was reading, you know, as you know me by now, I just don't read verses, you know, out of context. You read it in context. And as I was reading through the second passage that I went to, again on the inside there was a reference to another passage in the Old Testament. And I thought, Lord, I'll just take this way and uh, go down and see what's written there. And I started reading there. And the very same morning that I wrote in my journal, word for word written in the book of Isaiah, the Lord answered me. I don't give you gimmicks here this morning. I'm telling you, we're serving a God who's alive. I'm not telling you strange things here. I hear so many people talk about different ways God speaks to you, and God bless their hearts. But what I'm telling you is that the Word of God is alive. It is living. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, 12, it is living and it's powerful. And it's like a sword who cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul. And it is, it is the, the one who looks into your heart and determines your heart. So I turn to the Word of God this morning and I want to preach to you the Word of God. Now, we were talking a few weeks ago about living a godly life in an ungodly world. Who knows that we are living in an ungodly world? Yeah, it's an ungodly world. And you remember uh, two weeks ago, I started preaching away and I started telling you that what is an ungodly world? If we, if we say it's an ungodly world, we need to determine what world are we talking about. And we saw that an ungodliness is separation from God. If you are separated from God, you are ungodly. And ungodliness is opposing God through disobedience and lawlessness. If you disobey God, you will live an ungodly life. If you live a lawless life, which we see is rave, not only in the world, but also in the church, with some people in the church, it is an ungodly life. And we also saw that if you live just for worldly passions and pleasure, that it's an ungodly life. And we determined, and it's all on the net, you can go and listen to it, I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but it's all there that we are not living in a godly world. We're not living in a holy world. How should we then live in this world? And then 
A week after that, I preached about the ungodly church. And you remember what I said that day, how is it that you can have a church that is ungodly? But we are, we have got churches which is ungodly. And we said in that one, a church which is ungodly is separated from the Word of God. And you know what they will preach? Everything but the Word of God. They will open up the Word, read one text verse, and then preach for a whole half an hour not going back to the Word. That is a church separated from God, and that's an ungodly church. I don't care what they say, but that is the, that's what we see. They'll go around and say people, what will offend you if we talk about that? Oh, we don't want to offend people. Now, you and I know that, you know, I preach the Word of God, and the Word of God is an offense. It is an offense to those who are not living for God. And we also saw that they are preaching a social message. And there's no holy standard. And it's also a prayerless church. Let it be known that a church is not a praying church, is not a godly church. You say, how can you say that, preacher? Because if you speak, if you pray, you speak to God, and He speaks back to you through His Word. And that is fellowship. Now the question then is, how can we live a godly life in an ungodly world? How can we do that then? As children of God. Is God expecting us now to buy an island and move the whole church on the island and say, now we're cutting off from the whole world? Is that what God is expecting of us? No. Why? Because Jesus said, Father, I pray. There in John chapter 17, He says, Father, I don't pray that you take them out of the world. They are in the world as I am in the world. But when we talk about holiness, we then look at Jesus Christ as our example of one who came and lived in this ungodly world. But He lived a holy life. Now, let me ask the question, who is Jesus in this place this morning? No one. We are not small little messiahs. No, we are not. We are sinners saved by grace. This is who we are. Now, how do we live this godly life in an ungodly world? You go tomorrow to your workplace and your friends, your peers, everybody in that workplace are ungodly. And here you sit as the Christian. You go to schools. You go to the colleges. And mom and dad is Christians and I'm a Christian. And I walk into my friends where all my friends are and they all conduct themselves in unholiness and godliness. How do I then live that life? How do I do that then? Is that a good question this morning? Now let me say that a godly life represents a holy life. So you can actually say an ungodly world represents an unholy world. So the question here is how to live a holy life in an unholy world. It's the same thing. How do you do that? Now you're going to say to me, but preacher, you know, if I stand up in my school or if I stand up in my workplace and everywhere I go, I walk in with my Bible and I want to bash everybody, you know what they do? I want to tell you what the Word of God says and blah, that's the Word of God. And, and you know, we should, you know, no, that's not what Jesus says we should do, no. How do we live this? Not say and speak this. I've heard so many times of my life people quoting little verses. They'll come up to you and say, oh, you do this something wrong because the Bible says this. No, no, that is preaching or that is talking that. How do you live that? There's a difference between talking and living. Who knows that? There's a difference. There are so many people who can talk the talk, Philip, 
but they can't walk the walk. Have you heard that one? Now we are touching today, how do we walk the walk then? This is what we need to understand in this world that we are living in. How do we live this holy life? How do we determine how to please God in the way that we live? Now there's a man by the name of D.L. Moody. Who knows that man? He said the following. He said, a holy life make the deepest impression. We are living in a time where people just want to impress other people. Isn't that right? Oh, if we can just please other people and impress them. Maybe they think better of me if we impress them. You know what this man said? He was a very good God man. He said, a holy life. Not holy words you say, but a holy life is the deepest impression that you can have on people. Another man by the name of John Brown, he says, holiness does not consist of in mystic speculations and enthusiastic passions or uncommanded strictness. It consists in thinking as God thinks and willing as God wills. And I, I like that quote. I like it. But brother and sister, man, I've got words packed in now in the next half an hour in the Word of God. As you know, we don't preach what other people say. We preach what Jesus says. So it's packed full of. You need to be holy to live a holy life. Say to the person next to you, you need to be holy. Come on, say it. You need to be holy to be able to live a holy life. You can't live a holy life if you're not holy. Is that right? I mean, I told you I'm a South African born, but I can't be a South African if I wasn't born in South Africa. Is that right? Philip, is it right? I mean, you can't be saying, you're, you know, I'm Indian if I wasn't born in India. I can say I'm Indian as much as I want to. I've got the paperwork. Look, I'm a, I'm a Kiwi now. I've got the passport. I can show you I'm a New Zealand citizen. But at the heart, I was born a South African. And the same thing here. I know it's not a good example, but the same thing, brother and sister. You can't claim to be holy if you do not live a holy life. And we need to understand where that holiness comes from. Now, let me just say it outright. Holiness is not the church you belong to. Holiness is not that mom and dad is holy. Holiness is not that my brother is holy, or my sister, or my mom, or my dad, or my wife, or my husband. Holiness is a personal thing. And we will see that this morning. So the question then is this morning, we need to answer this. What is holiness? What is he talking about? Holiness starts with God. That's where it starts with. Now, if you've got your Bible, you can open up there, and I highly recommend that, or otherwise you can just follow on the board. He says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, I absolutely love this verse. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I, this is now the prophet Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting on a throne. And man, you and I should take courage by this. Why? Because this morning, if the world is falling apart, know this, that God is still sitting on the throne. Hallelujah. What does that mean? It means that He's still in control of this world. He says that I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His rope filled the temple. Do you see that in your Bible? Just underline that if you've got your Bible there, because I want to tell you something just there. You know what it means when He says the train filled the temple? It means the authority of God filled the temple. In those days when they walked around with their robes, it was meant that the train 
The, the ends of their rope represented authority. Now when he speaks here, he says, Isaiah says that his rope, the train of his rope filled the temple. It means that his authority came into that place. You say, what is so important about that? Who remembers David and Saul? You remember King Saul? And you remember David? And you remember that King Saul wanted to kill David? And you remembered one day both of them ended up in the same cave? Who remembers that? And you know what? David was there and his men came to him and they said, David! And they even quoted scripture to him. This is so fascinating. They came to him and said, the scriptures is backing you. We are backing you. Look, there is King Saul. Go and kill him. You are the king. You are the anointed one. And you know what he did? Who knows what he did? He went down and he cut what? He cut a piece of the train of his rope off. What, did he, what, what was the symbolic meaning behind that? It meant that he cut off the authority of the king. This is the passage that combined that. The rope filled the temple. Let it be known that as you and I come together in this place this morning, it's not because I preach. It's not because you like me or don't like me. It's not because how we sing. It's not the worship that matters. It's nothing that matters but the train of God needs to be in this place. The authority of God needs to be in this place. Let me tell you this morning that if you understand the authority of God and if you understand the power of God, you will not but live a holy life. This is what to being born again is all about. It's to understand and see yourself in God's eyes. That means then that the sin that you do you will see it for what it is. And repentance means a change of mind of the things that I do that I think is fine, but not of God. That is when we come together as a church and His train fill the temple. Let me just tell you that if God's authority which is in this place and you've got the full understanding of that, you will not be able to sit on your seat this morning. That is what it is. You say, preacher, prove that to me. Well, read on. He says, high and lifted up and his strain of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim. Who knows what's a seraphim? It's angels. You know, it's, it's uh, in, in the ranking of God. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one cried to the other, and what did they say? Laugh! 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 Is that what they said? Justice! 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 Is that what they said? All those, those are things who God, the Bible says in the New Testament, John writes this down, he says God is love. He's not trying to be love. He is, his very nature of God is love. The very nature of God is justice. The very nature of God is righteousness. But, here, here, it comes to the very foundation of God. He says, holy, holy Holy. Now let it be known, he just didn't come in and say he's holy. He didn't come in and just say holy, holy. No, he says holy, 
holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Though I preach no word any further from this point on, this verse should keep you up every night. This verse should keep you awake every night if you live an ungodly life. I'm not here to try to please you. I'm here to try to tell you what God is. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And the post, now listen now, this is what I said. The post of the door was shaken and the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. There were no smoking machines there, okay? It's not a plug which was plugging with one of these machines which they have in discotheques at dance parties which now they've brought into the church which is a blasphemy of God. You see, when God comes into the prison, he doesn't need a machine to make smoke. He is who he is. You go back to the Old Testament and you read that when God came in, there were fire and thunderings. You read in the Old Testament when they had a tent and Moses went into the tent and there was a cloud coming over the tent. This is God's presence. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to ask you this morning to excuse me to be excited about this because this is it. We need to understand the holiness of God. How can we live a holy life in an ungodly world? If we don't understand that, you would be just like a pauper trying to play to things which you don't know. You haven't got an understanding of that. Now, unfortunately, I cut the verse off there because I wanted to go to another verse, but I want to follow the Holy Spirit just quickly and go to this passage in my Bible because I said to you, I said to you before that if the train of God fills this temple, you would not be able to sit in your seat, young man, young woman. Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? I want you to understand, for a few days this week, I was lying before the Lord, and I said, Lord, how can I, a mere man, preach about your holiness to these people? Because I even today can't understand your holiness fully. Neither will you until you die one day and stand in his presence. Neither will you. This is the power of God. Now listen. This man came, he's a man of God, Isaiah. I mean, honestly, if Isaiah walked through these doors this morning, I will take a seat. I will sit down right there. I would not have the arrogance to think that I can preach to Isaiah. I mean, this is a prophet of God, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. Am I right? You get major and minor prophets in the Old Testament. And it's not because one were more important than the other one. It's just because one wrote, you know, a little bit longer than the others. That's all. Go and look at the books, the smaller books and longer books. But I would sit right there. Isaiah walks through those doors. I would go, Isaiah, here's the pulpit. But this man of God comes into the presence 
Or let me just say, he's in there. And the, tra the train of the Lord filled that temple. And see what this man say. I mean, who do we think we are? Now, he says, I stopped there on, on the board in verse 4, but if you've got your Bible open, I want you to read from verse 5. He says there in verse 4, And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out. What made it shake? Now, I, I thank the Lord for his grace and his mercy today because this is not our building. <laughs> and I, you know, I want, don't want to be liable for damages if the real voice of God would cry out here, David. <laughs> because I'll tell you what, <laughs> I don't know what that temple was made of, but it said it was shaken. Shaken. I pray, Lord, shake people's hearts today. Shake it. Now listen. Listen. He says, the voice who cried out in the house was filled with smoke. So I said... This is Isaiah. Now I just realized, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to be able to finish what I've put and preach the sermon that I've prepared, but I'm just going to leave, follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? I was going to do it anyway. I just mention it to you. But he says, listen to this man. He says, so I said. Who's the I? It's Isaiah. Now one would think Isaiah walks in there as a man of God, as a prophet, and he goes, so I sit, and he walks in there like I see so many churches do these days. They say, fire, 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 and all of this nonsense that's going on. They don't understand the presence of God. This man understands it because when he said, when that train, when the authority came into, when the holiness come, came into that, listen, listen, when the holiness came into that place, this man said, there in verse 5, he says, Woe is me! Who knows what is woe? It's not good, is it? He says, Woe is me, for I am undone. This is what God's presence do in your life. You realize who you are. And you realize you are nothing. He says, Woe am I, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I'm a man of unclean lips. Make me think Isaiah. You see, we establish people, don't we? We look at people and we go, wow, what a man of God. We look at people and, and the way that they conduct themselves, we think we put them on pedestals. We put people on, but that's what we do. We all do that. You know, you can ask me today, who's your favorite preacher? And I can give you a list of five people which I listen to. Five preachers. And, I, and, and you can ask me about any one of them. I can say, wow, this is a man of God, man. This is a man of God. You should listen to this man. But here's the problem. I haven't walked in their shoes. I haven't lived their lives. Because let it be known, there was only one who was 100% perfect and pure upon the face of the earth. And his name was not John Shipman. Though many times in my life I thought that. He was not. His name was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I oftentimes feel like Isaiah and I say, Lord, look at me. Look at me, Lord. I'm ashamed of what I've done there, Lord. Now before you think it's a massive sin that I've done, no. 
But we are failing. I do not believe in sinless perfection. You and I know that's true. Because you and I know that you sometimes fail. It doesn't matter how pure you think you are. We're living in an ungodly world. I feel for our young people. I feel for our young people going to schools. I mean, the stuff that they have to face now is stuff that I didn't have to face in my time. And it's there to occupy their brains, to take it over. And in the midst of all of that, we, our vision is blurred. And we don't understand that we are serving a holy God. You see, for some people, God is just a mate. God's my pal. So where do you get that from? Well, he says it in his word, didn't he? Hey, preacher. He says it right there in his word. You are my friend. My friend means my buddy. It means my pal. I mean, God's part of my posse. He's part of my group, man. He's part of the gang. Let it be known. We will come to this. Then we will come to this. And it might be next week. So if you're not here next week, miss that. But we will come to the part where I'm going to show you that there's nobody on God's level. He's not your pal. He's not your buddy. He's not your mate. He's a holy God. And who do you think you are to bring God down to your level? No, no. God comes to your level because He wants to come to your level. Let me continue in the Word. He says there, look at this now. He says... So I said, woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. You see that? So in other words, he says, I am unclean, and I'm living in an unclean world, just like we are living in an unclean world. Is that right? He says the same thing. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So, brother and sister, let it be known this morning that the holiness of God is much bigger than you and me can anticipate. He strained, filled the place. Now, let's continue a little bit further on. Let's go into Revelation. So, we went to the Old Testament and we saw these angels and we got a description of them, the seraphim. Now, let me just say before we go into this verse... <laughs> We are not into angel worship, okay? I'm not preaching angel worship. But if one of these angels will turn up this morning in this place, you will run for the door. <laughs> you say, how can you say that? Just read what the Bible says, how they look. And since you grew up as a child, you haven't seen any creature like this. I know, I know the children books and I know all of the occult and all of them, they, they terrible, horrible pictures and they draw. But let it be known that every, every seraphim outweighs every single thing that the occult can bring. A good description of them. Six wings. Have you ever seen? I'm not talking about these comic books. Have you ever seen a creature with six wings? Even if you see a creature of six wings, you're going to be afraid. Yeah? Now there's a more description about them in the book of Revelation. This once. Revelation chapter 4 verse 6. And by the way, again, I'm parachuting into the passage. 
I want to give you the, the, you know, the context. If you read from chapter 4 onwards, he talks about John on the Isle of Patmos, and he saw a door open in heaven, and a voice said to him, Come up here, and in the spirit he went there. And who did he see? He saw God on the throne again. Two men, two men this, this morning. How wonderful. One from the Old Testament, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord on his throne, high and lifted up. And here comes John on the Isle of Patmos. And in Revelation 4, verse 6, he says, Before the throne there was a sea of glass. Now, I've preached through the book of Revelation. It's online. You can go and look at that. But that's a really great passage to talk about, like a crystal. And the midst of the throne and around the throne were what? Four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. Now, try to sneak up on one of those angels. You know, we sometimes think that mothers, Juliana, mothers has got eyes in the back of their heads, isn't it right, Juliana? You know, your, your two little children, they do something, you go, I'm seeing you. Mom, have you got eyes in your back? <laughs> no, but I know angels who do. <laughs> this is so marvelous. You know, these, there's nothing. These eyes in the front of the back, we know they've got six wings. We get an explanation about them in the Old Testament as well. And then in verse 7 it says, The first living creature was like a lion. A lion. Who of you have ever walked up to a lion and just pat it on the head and say, Hey, kitty, kitty, catty, you would lose your hand. If, if I bring a lion into this place, you'd be running. You'd be running for the door. You'd be coming standing behind me. Say, Pastor, you've got broad shoulders. You, you go first, man. But this is like a lion. Think of this. And yes, and no, you can't even make a mental picture about it because if I draw my little picture here and you come and you draw your neck to it, it's not going to look the same. Oh, but how wonderful it is one day when we're going to be in glory and see them for ourselves. Let it be known that this little earthly body can't sustain the power and the majesty of even the angels. It is said that one angel can kill 70,000 people, yeah? I'm just talking about angels here. I haven't even come to God. If you think these angels who are so mighty and so good, and they look at the creator of the universe and see what happens now. I'm, I'm going ahead of the scripture here. He says, the second living like a calf, the third living creature had the face like a man. I mean, um, Deirdre and Paul had, had a calf, yes. You had a little cow and there was a nice calf there. Four calves there. So you would be knowing when he talks about a calf. But how can you comprehend these things? And he says there, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And, and by the way, again, if you want to go back into the, the preaching through the book of Revelation, each of the, one of these is significant for us to understand. The fourth living creatures having six wings we're full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day nor night. Now what do these, I mean, I just explained to you very powerful beings. You know, what is this guy from China building up his military might and he rides his, have you seen him? He stands there in his car and he just lifts his nose every now and then like that. You know, it looks sometimes to me as he's got a stiff neck from the previous night. He just goes past and he sees all these people going on and he's just going like that. I'm telling you, what, what is his name? Chi, what is it? Xi Jinping. You know, can, can somebody, 
Just take a snip of this, not even this message, just the Bible and send it to him. One angel will wipe out his whole army. Are we on the same page here? And, and you getting worried about future wars and stuff? Forget about that stuff. It's only there to fear you. No, no, no. One of these angels can wipe out a whole army. Now, now in the biggest scheme of things, where are you sitting today? You don't even have an army. You can't stand there like Jinping and, and have this little thing going on. You can't even do that. And we haven't even touched God. These mighty angels, what are they doing? What are they doing? They come and they see who sits on the throne. And do they say, laugh, 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 mercy, mercy. Do they say that? No, no. They look at this and they say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Listen, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I know it and I'm so grateful. We are serving a holy God. Can you say hallelujah to that? Now, I don't care what happens in the world. I don't care what they try to do. If they want to kill this body, you know, stand in a queue. I don't know what to say. If you want to kill this body, kill the body. But man, I'm telling you, when I depart from this body, I'm going to a holy God. Glory, Amen. Unfortunately, that holiness has been made cheap in your lives. It's been made cheap, unfortunately. This is why we need to preach about it. This is why our young people need to hear this. The messages. I, I'm telling you. I prayed. I lied before the Lord and I talked to him. I asked a question. I, I told you. I wrote down a question to the Lord. And in due time it will come. It's just not ready for me to preach it out. But I wrote down in my... In my I wrote it down there question to the Lord and he gave me answer out of his word and I'm telling you the message to our young people is not helping them it's destroying them even in the churches we need to hear about this holy God we need to proclaim the holy God we are serving the holy God now I'm nearly finished but let me just tell you about the word holy that he uses there when he uses the word holiness, he uses the Greek word hagios. The Greek word hagios means to be pure. It means to be morally blameless. And it also means to be consecrated. It comes from a, actually an old, Greek, uh, old uh, a root word where the root meaning of the, of the word is consecrated. It means to, or the idea is to be separated or cut off. That's what the word means, holiness, hagios. If you go back to the Hebrew, if you come to the New Testament in the Greek, and you look at the word, and you go and you study the word, it, it means to be cut off, to be separated. That's what it means. And here, when these angels look at God, and they say, holy, holy, holy. It talks about the pureness of God. There is none purer than God. No one. He's a pure God. He's absolutely pure. 
I mean, this is what John writes to us, isn't it? In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. This is what the word holiness means. It is the pureness there. He's pure. And let it be known that God is morally blameless. Morally blameless. There's no darkness in him at all. I mean, Isaiah again writes about this. God is so holy. Even his name is holy. In Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. What does it mean? It means his name is cut off. What, what do you mean by that preacher? I'll just explain this one to you, okay? Hang in there. Don't fall asleep on me. But just listen to this one, okay? So it means that it's cut off. His name is holy. Remember when he came to his disciples and they say, teach us to pray. What did he say? They are Father. Hallowed be thy name. What does it mean? It means that the name of God is separated from any other name that you can ever have. Hallowed be thy name. Cut off. Separated. Sanctified. This is what the word means. It means that only God is holy. Only God is holy. You say, wow, preacher, what is the idea then? And I'll end with this verse and we can continue next week, okay? Are we, are we learning something today? Now, he says whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now, I can preach you a whole sermon just on that place there. We can't come like some people saying we're going to storm the gates of heaven. Have you heard that before? How do we come to this holy God? How do we come to that? Now we've got a dilemma. You and I have got a dilemma here this morning. Who can sit here this morning and put up his hand and say, I'm 100% absolutely pure? Who's sitting here this morning can say, I'm absolutely morally blameless? I'm not talking after you've been saved and we're going to get to Isaiah chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to get there next week. But you and I know, we know ourselves, don't we? We know when we're alone, we know our thoughts and we know everything. So we've got a dilemma. Because what do we do with this verse then? What do we do with a verse like this? When Peter comes to you and me this morning, and it's, it is as if Peter is standing where I'm standing, and he, he speaks to you and he says, therefore preparing your minds for action. In, in the King James, I love the King James actually, he says, gird up the loins of your mind. I, I like that. In fact, you know, this is the New King James Version, and that's fine, I'm preaching that because some people say they can't understand the thou's and so on. But let me just throw something in there to you. When I came from South Africa, I couldn't speak English for the life of me. Only five minutes, maybe five minutes. I didn't have a big... I, I was a South African speaking South African, okay? And uh, Jared will know what I'm talking about. I couldn't keep myself going, man. You know, even, you know, I would think, you know, this is a place. 
and I was preaching. I was a South African preacher. I preached in Afrikaans, man. You know, I could know scriptures was coming up like that. That was cool. But when the Lord laid upon my heart to preach to the nations, what language does the nation speak? Not Afrikaans. They speak English in, in Kiwi land, isn't it, Len? They speak Kiwi there, <laughs> which is English, mate. Yeah, bro. She's all right, eh? When I went to the Lord, I said, Lord, I need to change all Afrikaans to English and, and let it be known. I'm not, a, I'm not a machine. I'm not a computer. We can just take a floppy. Ah, floppy. Now I'm giving away my age here. Okay? We, <laughs> I can't just update the server here, okay? I can't just take out the hard drive and put a new hard drive in and she's okay to go. You have to unlearn and learn again. Who knows that? Uh, if you come from a different language, you have to unlearn your tongue's ways, your form words, and learn a new way. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the hard way. King James Version Bible. <laughs> And then even sometimes I was sitting there and reading through and I couldn't understand a word he was saying. It was this language above my head there, John? It was just, I couldn't, you know. I, it took me time to unpack it and pack it again, but I thank God. I'm not telling you how good I am. I'm telling you what God did. He touched my mind, my lips, and I thank him for that. But he says, you know, the uh, gird up the loins of your mind or prepare your minds for action and being sober minded set your hope fully on the grace set your hope fully on the grace set your hope what is hope hope is faith and and remember hope is the reward for faith you go where did that one come from write it down quickly quickly write it down hope is the reward for faith whenever you read the word hope in the bible it comes after word faith go and study it in your bible he talks about faith and hope never about hope and faith hope is the reward if you if you practice faith you will have hope if you do not practice faith you will have no hope so brother and sister as a child of god living in this world if they come to you and they tell you how fearful the world is have faith and you will have hope. Different message. He says there, see your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, who wants to be obedient? That's me. Do not be conformed to the passions from your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy. Have I established that for the last half an hour? As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Everybody say conduct. What does conduct mean? Yeah, you all got it right. Now you are preaching to me. In all your conduct, in all your deeds, in all your things you do, how should you be? Holy. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Now next week... I thank the Lord. I'm just going to take it at His pace. Next week, we're going to see where this holiness He's referring to is coming from. But I will end with this. You and I have got a problem today. Because I have painted for you this morning the holiness of God. And I hope, I hope that the fear of God grabs a hold of your heart. You say, wow, preacher, what are you preaching? The fear of God? Yeah. Because you will not understand God if you haven't got the fear of God. And holiness is one of those things which will give you the fear of God. 
And then when you understand this, you will be inclined to live a holy life. So we've got a problem now because none of us who are sitting here today is God. Is any one of you a God? Oh, some people might think they are. How do we do this thing? So hopefully, I hope I got you now really inquiring about this, interested in this. So next week, I'll take it from here. And we look at how we can live a holy life. Did the Lord speak to you this morning? I want you to go away this week. I want you to go and look yourself in the mirror and ask you this question. Am I living a holy life? Look, I don't want you to ask your wife. <laughs> I don't want you to ask your husband. Because they will start coming out to say, yeah, you're okay, but you remember, you know, let's go through the list of things, isn't it? You don't take out the rubbish bags when I want you to do it. You don't do the dish. No, forget that. No. Children, don't go to your parents and say, Mom and Dad, am I living a holy life? Because you're going to get the same list. Let's be serious for a few moments. I'm urging you this morning to go this week, look in the mirror, and pray to God and say, Lord, I'm looking at myself in this mirror. There's no place to hide. God is omnipresent. He's there. And I ask you this question. Am I living a holy life? Not, am I a great guy or great gal? No. And when you stand there, you say, Lord, I ask you now, to show me the things that makes me not living a holy life. You'd be surprised you'll do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Father, as only you know during this week, when I had time with you, Lord, that I said to you, Lord, that this topic is too big for me. Father, you know that I've asked for strength. And Father, I want to pray this morning and ask you, Lord, forgiveness for if in any way I have watered down this message. But Father, the time is here to be serious. Father, thank you that we are serving you as a holy God. And your standard is above all. Help us then this morning, Lord, to live according to that standard. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, already by just preaching your word this morning, you have again spoken to me. I know I'm preaching the word, but you've spoken to me as well. So, Lord, we want to thank you. Father, I thank you so much. Your loving kindness, Lord, is better than life, and we experience that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.